Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you for joining me, and our first guest is a good friend of mine. He is the president of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Harrison Blair. How you doing, HB? Man, Chris, I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. Uh, so honored to be here. Thank you. I am glad you're here because there's so much stuff going on this fall with the da- Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Can you catch us up on what's been going on lately, and then we'll get into some things coming up? Well, you know, we, we've come off a couple of months of a lot of activity, uh, and I'll just go back to Juneteenth. We uh, we sponsored uh, a golf tournament with some of our members, and the Dallas Mavericks were a huge part of that. Uh, and now, from that golf tournament, we've raised a micro fund that can go to businesses. So we've uh, nice. selected a business, and we'll be releasing that information next week about who's going to get that grant and uh, who's going to help us double that grant to help this uh, this new black business. And what happened after the Juneteenth golf tournament? Because I know the summer was was kind of busy, and uh, you had to work around a few things as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, really, Chris, we've been helping a lot of nonprofits. We uh, we we kind of understand our mission more now as a frontline organization. And somewhere between 2020 and now, a lot of nonprofits looked up and said, hey, the Black Chamber is a nonprofit. Maybe they can help us with some leadership uh, training and skills around nonprofit leadership. So we focused a lot of energy into that. And just so you get an idea of what nonprofit leadership looks like across Dallas, specifically with black organizations, just in Fair Park, South Dallas alone, we work with or interact with at least 90 plus uh, small nonprofits that are in that area, and they all do something that is so impactful. Uh, and the critical part about it that we found after doing more research is that most of these nonprofits are operating on a budget that is less than half a million dollars, but they stand in the gaps of some some major issues that our country faces. They do a lot of work on social issues and stuff that's nothing to shake a stick at. And a lot of times they need some leadership training, some coaching, mm-hmm. and resources to really get over that hump to stay in business uh, and make that social impact. So we've put a ton of work into training nonprofits uh, and working with them. And now we're working with a cohort uh, that we just launched called the Business Leadership Program, uh, which also houses a few nonprofits uh, that are really, uh, you know, in a, in a space where they can grow. Uh, and they're, they're getting some of the best practices that we give to businesses. And we're also giving businesses a cross-pollination of some of the best tactics and, and strategies that we use as a nonprofit. So we're germinating uh, the seeds of business growth 
and we've been very excited about it. And uh, this new partnership that we're talking about with the Business Leadership Program uh, is in partnership with the Dallas Mavericks again, also, as well as UNT Dallas, which has given us uh, the Experiential Learning Center to host uh, in a hybrid fashion uh, our business leadership program. So we just launched at the end of August, and it is going strong with 28 cohort members, and we're honored to have these businesses serve with us and teach us and learn from us as we all figure out how to grow uh, our economy. That is outstanding. Can you talk about what you guys do to help train up some of these leaders in nonprofit? Well, we have a course that we go through just to start that is a 30,000-foot overview to just give them some idea of what a nonprofit does in, in, in our sector uh, or in, in how many different nonprofits there are. Uh, and, you know, people's eyes kind of widen when they understand the scope of the sector and how large it is. So a lot of times we just share that because we don't assume that people know. And just, just so you uh, and the viewers and listeners know, Chris, there are about 12.5 million nonprofit jobs in the United States, and they make up somewhere around $985 billion. Wow. And this is from 2019 stats. And with that, they are about 5.4% of America's GDP, meaning that they're, they're, they're much bigger than all of manufacturing combined in the United States. So there are more nonprofit employees who are out there solving all kinds of tough problems in the world with a small budget, uh, and there are many more of these workers than there are in manufacturing. Is this almost like small business? If you would like to say, okay, the United States is run by small business, not just major corporations, nonprofits are like in that small business category because they don't make a whole lot of money, but they do so many different things. Exactly. And, and it's, it's, you know, some startling facts that we discovered just looking at uh, the industry or, or the, the sector, rather, is that nonprofits are doing so much important work. And they have oftentimes such small budgets, such small resource, or it's just there's so much information that goes into understanding why a nonprofit even has a board. Because, you know, for-profit corporations have a board, but they have a much different role mm-hmm. than a nonprofit board. A nonprofit board is built to have un- to make uncanny impact on the organization to give them a lot more horsepower. So, it's you know, it, it's a messy process, but for the greater good. And we help boards really sort that out. We help nonprofits sort that out. Uh, and we help them make more impact with, uh, with their budget and be more efficient. How many um, nonprofits can you say that the Dallas Black Chamber – partners with so right now uh, 20 and counting wow and, I, and and that that ranges from uh groups as large as the state fair uh to to a nonprofit that may have two employees and a budget of hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, and, and they're doing things that are so so different and so many of them across the spectrum and a lot of them also have operations that may look like uh, a business but mm-hmm. they're but they're really focused on a social impact or a social return so very interesting, uh, and we're unpacking quite a bit because nonprofits don't even know some of the information that we share. So it's just very interesting. You know, you mentioned the State Fair, and that's one of the organizations you're partnering with. This That time of the year, last year they didn't really attempt to have the fair. They just had some drive-through situations where people can drive by and pick up a few things. Can you talk about what you know about What's going to be going on with the fair this year? I know you don't know all the details, but can you talk about some of the things that you've been working with them on uh, for the 2021 State Fair Tech? Well, so this year we haven't focused much of our partnerships on working directly with the State Fair, but the State Fair has actually 
uh, given quite a few dollars to us to support the work that we're doing to help businesses, whether it was PPE gear that they uh, they gave to us or whether it was programming where they were inviting other nonprofits and businesses to come and work with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually got the nonprofit bug from the state fair. Uh, and one of the people that we work with quite often over at the state fair is Dr. Francois Booker-Drew who is really the vice president that does a lot of outreach and engagement with community. So she is one of our critical partners. And anybody who knows Dr. Booker Drew will know that she is plugged in in this city in such a major way, and she really means to help folks. So she's made the state fair a place where a lot of community engagement happens, where they grow food throughout Mm -hmm. the year. Or we also help with getting vendors into the fair. People always want to know, how how do you get into the fair and win? You know, somebody asked me once, do I have to fry something just so I can get <laughs> in the competition? <laughs> right. So, but, but people like Dr. Booker Drew and her team uh, help a lot of businesses actually get access to the different vendor booths. They talk about how they can finance the operation, and they work with organizations like the Black Chamber to come up with ideas to get more vendors and new vendors that are more diverse into the state fair. Uh, and it's very lucrative for vendors who are a part of it. So oh, we, yeah. work, we work every year to get some new folks in. You know, if you can come up with a delicious turkey leg, you might have a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know, right? Absolutely. Now, you mentioned partnering with uh, the nonprofits. You mentioned with the State Fair of Texas. How many organizations reach out to you, and how many do you have to reach out to them? And they were, they were like, oh, wow, I did not know there was this opportunity. Well, we get a ton of calls now. Uh, we get so many calls, especially after uh, 2020, where we saw stats of what businesses were really needing or resources they were lacking. But nonprofits really took the cake in terms of reaching out. And one story I'll share is uh, we had a nonprofit by the name of Lullaby House reach out to us uh, earlier this year. And she told us that a well-known nonprofit that, uh, that helps smaller nonprofits used her picture but didn't use her name. So she didn't raise any funds uh, in that particular period, and she had just lost a huge contract with Procter & Gamble, I believe, as you know, pandemic was really mm-hmm. weighing on. And in that process, uh, she serves a lot of teen parents. So she doesn't just serve teen mothers, she serves teen fathers as well. She acknowledges that the, the current welfare state and some of the system, uh, system programs will actually push families out of the system and really care for single mothers. So she also offers a space for teen fathers to be there. And Lullaby House needed, uh, they needed a grant to just get diapers and and, and formula and different things that families may need to take care of their children who stay with them in their houses. And we made one call to this particular foundation that was helping. And within 24 hours, she had $10,000 and she could stretch that and be very efficient with it to help the families that she serves. So a lot of it is just representation, making sure nonprofits have somewhere they can go and share what they're doing and share why this issue is important to them and what they actually need to get to get it done. So we, we probably worked with, I would say, 20 nonprofits in that capacity uh, in a really deep way last year. And we've got calls from many more than that. So hundreds that uh, we, we either partnered with or we helped in some capacity throughout 2020 to now. So we we do a lot of outreach also. We call nonprofits together. We go visit them. We have many of them in our cohort now uh, that are helping to train us, and we get more and more information about the sector. Uh, And, of course, we take a lot of trainings, and we meet a lot of nonprofits uh, as we're taking that training because we want to make sure what we're sharing uh, with our partners and our members is up to date. So that's kind of how the flow of 
nonprofits are coming to us. Uh, and and I, I say all this to say we do a lot of nonprofit work, but we also uh, our bread and butter has been to focus on black businesses. Mm-hmm. We really uh, dug in on that, but we just noticed in 2020 that so much was happening around nonprofits. And it was such a market that no one was serving small black nonprofits and giving them this important information. So that's kind of how we got into the, the sector in that way. We're talking with Harrison Blair. He's the president of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. And I want to say this now. I want to give you your props right here. You have a really, really good website. It's very impressive. And I I like the fact that you guys are utilizing social media. There's a lot of different organizations um, who have the opportunity to help a lot of people, but they don't help them because they're not, I guess, investing in technology of today where they can reach so many people can you talk about whose vision it was to like get this website together reach the people where they are being where they where they are whether it's instagram uh twitter facebook all the different avenues where you can put people together because i think you guys do a heck of a job with that wow uh, chris that's a great question and for us it was a team effort I, I came in wanting to change the website because the one we had originally was kind of a dinosaur. It you know, had some glossy photos on it, some videos, but we knew we needed to update it. And I tell people this all the time. I am the oldest millennial you probably know. Not in age, <laughs> just in spirit. I hear you. <laughs> so I, I, I was more of a Steve Jobs when it came to the website. I, I had all these ideas about what it could do and how it could operate, but the people who brought it to life, the people who brought it online were uh, our vice president, Jay Tenner, who does marketing and branding and outreach. And the, 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 the angel who really put her hands on it and worked a miracle for us was our operations director, Sade Whitmore. She has a ton of experience onboarding new systems. And even if she's not a tech whiz, she can look at something and figure it out much more quickly than I can. So they brought it to life. And one, one thing that we share with you know, for-profit corporations is really investing in your team and their ideas. They have to have a, a, a place in the decision-making process. And when I offered the idea, the team really uh, got around the table and started giving all kinds of great feedback that gave me more of a 360 perspective. And then once the team had an idea about what it could do, we took it to the board uh, as a skeletal frame, and then they helped us put more meat on the bones of it and figure out how we could really interact with members and what we wanted to promote. So, you know, it's one thing to have an idea. It is another one for people to actually come together and breathe life into it and lift it up. So I just want to give kudos and shout-outs to the team members who really made it happen. You know, I said it, but they did it. And, and they did it in such a way that people like you are impressed with it. And it really serves the members. It serves what they need to go on and see what events we're having. It serves their needs to see who's a part of our chamber and what service they can get to without necessarily having to pick up the phone and dial us mm-hmm. unless they just want to talk. You know, we're there to do that, too. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So a lot of people, you know, like you said, who don't think like a millennial, they don't realize that that is your 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 business card nowadays. That That's how you show people who you are and it can bring in the dividends. The dividends don't have to be financial. The dividends can be operational. It can be putting people together. It can be accomplishing your goals. Once people see what you're all about and nowadays it's through technology, you have to have the technology to show, to represent who you are. And I think that was very visionary on your part. And I hate for a lot of organizations that don't, use the technology or don't invest in the technology knowing that the benefits will be there in the long run. Can you give some examples 
of some of the partnerships that you maybe were able to gain because people actually went to the website? And also give that website while you're at it. So the website is www.dbcc.org. And that is www.dbcc.org. Or you can go to dallasblackchamber.org. So either of those will take you to the same website. And so will Google. (laughs) So so will Google. And, And I'll say, Chris, some of the partnerships we get are from around the nation. People will reach out and say, hey, we want to we want to focus on businesses in Dallas or we yes. want to focus on nonprofits in Dallas. Uh, and we get a lot of movie festivals who have some kind of screening they want to show about venture capital or, or some social issue that's really impacting the business community that they want us engaged in. And of course, uh, we, got a, we got a ton of help from one of our uh, tech developers who's a member. He saw our website and saw an opportunity to help Tons of businesses get access to PPP funding. There you he go. Knew ex- he knew exactly what kind of red lines may exist for black businesses working with banks uh, that didn't have a relationship. And he saw that the website was up to speed and it was up to snuff, so he could just add an app to it. And within three hours, we had we had uh, funding for almost uh, 300 businesses. Uh, and and it was it wow. was so quick in the the end of the first and second round, we didn't really know how it was going to work, but because we had a website that was up to date and this person had really taken time to kind of go through it and get the specs, he thought we were the best place to pilot this uh, this new technology, which proved to be very, very useful to the chamber and our members. So that's just one tangible example. And I wanted to use that member because a lot of times people think that all of our partnerships are with someone like a, you know, a really large national bank or a large national nonprofit. But a lot of times the best ideas come from people who are just in your backyard because some kind of new idea. That's exactly right. And they have, they have something that you could use and it gives them the opportunity to show off what they can do. And it's a win-win for everyone. And, and Chris, the, the beauty of it is uh, after he uh, completed the app on our website, he met a, uh, an investor who was also a member. And now uh, his business is well-funded, and he's got an office in a high-rise downtown. There's not many Fantastic. black apps that have done that here uh, where, where an oil company may you know, have their operations based. So he's, he's now well-funded, and he's getting ready to change the world. And we were glad to just be able to give him an early opportunity to showcase what he had. That's basically what you do, the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. You connect people and you make organizations grow. And by the way, the website and all the things you do with technology are, all, are not only efficient, but they are authentic because people can see how authentic you are. It's almost transparent and people can understand the needs. And when you come to call on them, they understand why even better. And, and that, that's absolutely true. And, and I want to also give a shout out to the guy who actually brought our website to life, uh, who worked with us, and that is Mark Drake with Fan Touch Solutions. Mm-hmm. I told Mark what we needed. Uh, the team started to give him feedback about what we needed, and it took it took two months to really get it airtight the way we wanted it. But Mark was quick, he was efficient, and he understood exactly what we were trying to do because he listened. So uh, that that's a partnership that we got prior to the website, but it was an important one to help us actually tighten the operation. So I'll give a shout out again. That's Mark Drake with Fantech Solutions. Great guy. We're talking. Yeah, we're we're talking with uh, Harrison Blair, uh, the president of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, and a lot of people talk about, you know, in business the pivot of 2020 uh, with the pandemic and a lot of different things they started doing business wise, and you guys happen to be up to speed just in time. Can you talk about how you were able to enhance what you do virtually? Because you actually had a, a convention virtually. Man, uh, Chris, firstly, 
it it looked it looked better than it felt. <laughs> oh, I can imagine doing it for man. the first time that way. Oh man, the, the first two weeks were uh, they were surreal. You know, we we sent the entire staff home, and for us, a part of coming into the office and meeting with businesses, sitting down, we we thought we just we didn't know what to do for a moment. But after some really tough conversations with the board, uh, some really tough conversations with partners, we found a way forward in looking at all kinds of virtual technologies. And we even went back and looked at some hybrid kind of events that we thought we could have. We started calling friends and, and folks that, you know, had some outdoor spaces. And the Mavericks were kind enough to, uh, you know, give us some space to, to utilize for one of our big events that happened later in 2020 called Ignite the Lights. And we even had uh, Coach Carlisle when he was uh, the head coach of the Mavericks and, mm-hmm. and Sip, Sip Marshall, our, our CEO uh, of CEOs, uh, to, to get us the space outside of the American Airlines Center. Uh, and so we, we did a lot of events in that capacity. We found every rooftop in, in Dallas, I'd like to think, and every outdoor space that you would want to sit in. And we just found new ways to get people together. And, you know, we I'd like to think it was our quick thinking and our pivot and our ideas, but it was really the community who supported us. And businesses as far as Houston and other places that wanted to get engaged, who wanted to learn more. And the people who moved to Dallas to start a business in the heart of the pandemic. It's crazy. So mm-hmm. those, there was, I would say there were, there was a convergence of a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, opportunities in one space uh, that met us because we were prepared. But even with, you know, the staff was nervous. I was nervous. The board was nervous. But once people started to log in and, and come and partake in our programming and they wanted to be there, whether it was virtual or in person, we knew we had something special. So have you found that, you know, through this pandemic and the way people are like some are working from home now, some uh, uh, have changed the way they do a lot of business with Zoom calls. Have you have you found that that you are used to that technology and are getting things done that way? Or are you still having to go out to see people and meet with them in person to actually close a lot of these deals? So it, it's a it's a bit of it's kind of a hybrid situation. You know, in one respect, we may have a program in person where we are doing our cohort. We want them to get the networking uh, ability of being in person and, you know, maybe having a cup of coffee six feet away from each other at least and taking lunch breaks, you know, and taking time to meet uh, in that capacity. Whereas we may have a huge uh, event outdoors or mm-hmm. we may have it virtually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the quest for success virtually last year uh, where Seth Marshall was our keynote address. She did a great fireside chat with us, but we had to do it in a hybrid capacity because uh, vaccines weren't readily available to everyone and we just didn't know what the situation may look like. But we are now very used to this. And I, you know, Chris, I say, I, I say this all the time. I'm the oldest millennial people know in spirit and that held true because I had never taken a zoom call before the pandemic. It just, it just wasn't a reality. People a lot of people. Coming. Yeah. It, so it was, but now I'm a zoom wizard. If you need to get into the, the chat room, if you need to throw a poll up there, I mean, I, I might be better than the creators. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're very adaptable. Hey, this, this fall, there's a lot of different projects you got have going on the Dallas black chamber of commerce. Can you talk about some of the things you have happening and some of the projects you're very proud of, uh, uh, Completing. Well, Chris, one of those is a, a it's called the Guaranteed Pool Fund, and we have partnered with Boston Consulting Group to put a structure together that would allow us to raise a fund of unfunded guarantees that would help businesses walk into banks and be less of a risk to that banker. Uh, we know that there are a lot of federal regulations that are in the way of helping 
uh, small black businesses that may not look or function like uh, some of their counterparts in terms of walking into the bank with capital. So we wanted to create a program that would help just reduce uh, you know, that lack of access or take, take down some of the bulwark that keeps black businesses from feeling like they can actually go get capital in this nation. So that's one project that we're really working on and we're hoping to see it through uh, at the end of 2022. Uh, another one is really a partnership with WFAA uh, and this Banking Under 30 project uh, where they are interested in looking at uh, banks that uh, that have uh, Dallas County and Dallas, the city of Dallas money in them and leveraging that to get those banks uh, who have those really large assets sitting there that they loan out in fractional reserve banking to actually start loaning to black businesses or the city could potentially move that money to a bank that does do a lot of business with black and brown uh, businesses and businesses of color. And we think this is important and we're hoping that this uh, we can we can convince city council that this is important because uh, Dallas is such a large city. Mm-hmm. It's got such a, uh, a huge population of African-Americans per the census data. And with a bullet train between here and Houston, that population is only going to grow. The amount of business we're doing and the impact we have economically is only going to grow. So what would it look like if this place were providing loans to startups that looked like us, that were solving problems in our communities and lifting people out of poverty by helping them create more businesses and, and start more ideas. And and most of it was risk-free. That'd be amazing. So yes. we're hoping that if those two programs can be pillars of each other, uh, along with the, the companies and nonprofits we're training in our program, we want to create access pipelines to funding and infrastructure that exists uh, long beyond this staff or this chamber. So that that is our hope. Those are some of the projects we're working on. And then not to mention this December, uh, we're going to be hosting our gala and somebody may say, well, why is a gala important, Harris, and why should we care? Well, the chamber is, is the first black chamber in the nation's history. We've not missed this gala maybe, but say for a few years. So I can I can take you to the Dallas Public Library and show you the menu from 1945 and tell you what we talked about and what the chamber was focused on. And I think that's so important because if we as black organizations don't remember this history and honor the black leaders who are really doing this work, then in this country, who else will? Mm-hmm. So... And, and we also want to share the message that building black is not just a black thing. If you're building black in this country, you're helping fellow Americans. And we, we you know, I tell people all the time, we're not a separatist organization. Uh, you don't have to be black to build black. You don't have to be black to care about black businesses as your neighbors and, and look at the communities they're living in and how they're working and figure out what they need instead of pointing the finger and saying, hey, you don't have this resource, so you must not be a real business. So we we spend a lot of time in in that space, and we really want to make sure that we can also get those partners engaged uh, who may feel a little uncomfortable because they think that that's where we're coming from, and it's not. So, you know, the the gala is a great place to talk about what we've done this year Mm -hmm. and talk about what our focus is going to be for 2022 and and how we're going to do that together. It's all about mixing and mingling and sharing thoughts and finding out more about each other and finding that you have more in common than you thought. Amen. And, and you know what else? I, I love the fact that Dallas is such a growing uh, city. It's, it's an international city. There's people moving here from all over the world. Can you talk about how that has impacted your organization? Because I know there are people that reach out to you as soon as they arrive. Absolutely. People are moving here from all over the world, and they'll call with questions like, hey, I need a I need a place to you know plant me and my family. I'm looking for the, the best school district, and I'm looking for somewhere that's centralized to this location. Is there a building that I can move into that has a, a floor a floor of space for me and my team? Or, hey, I just need three corner offices. Can you make that happen? 
So we, we get a ton of calls like that from folks who are moving from anywhere across the nation, anywhere across the world. Uh, and specifically, uh, I know a lot of folks are coming from Atlanta, Chicago, and St. Louis right now to here. Uh, we also had a call from Dubai. We get a call from, you know, Oh, yeah. In so Mid- United Airlines, that the airline flies in and out of DFW every day. So, Emirates. So you, Exactly. So, so you, you can just get a sense of the international calls that come into the office uh, and what people want to know. And a lot of times they want to know how they can get some black vendors for a project that they may be working on here or abroad. And we provided those lists and we continue to do so. And uh, people are pretty satisfied with the, the caliber of company that, they, that they're getting from the chamber. So those are we get a lot of international calls uh, this year and especially going into 2022. We're hoping to see more. Is there anything you're doing um, with the kids in school, um, DISD in particular, since it is in Dallas County? Is there anything you're doing like with COVID or the vaccines or things that people might need some information on? So we are definitely working on a campaign that would share more information about the vaccines uh, and just help people make a good decision for them and their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, with, and we've also, we, you know, we've also given over a million dollars in scholarships uh, in the last 20 years to DISD students, uh, and we're b- very proud of that legacy. And we're also creating more programming that will help young entrepreneurs take a product from their minds to, to the market. So we're, we're hope- uh, hoping that we can launch that programming in 2022 uh, and keep it going uh, for the next decade or so. We want to really uh, push as many young entrepreneurs as possible uh, to really get into the industries, uh, push their ideas, and find funding to help them move forward. You seem to have a really nice team. Is there any way anyone who wanted to volunteer or join your organization or even partner with the Dallas Black Chamber, is there a way for them to do it? Uh, Mention the website again or uh, an email address or a phone number. Absolutely. So I, I would say the best way to reach us about volunteer opportunities is to email us at info at dbcc.org. We've got a ton of product, uh, projects coming up where we'll be cleaning up communities, you know, uh, uh, going in and talking to folks, doing business coaching, setting up events, all kinds of things that you could imagine. Uh, the chamber will be engaged in those, especially if they have some kind of economic development impact uh, credit for, uh, for, for our communities that we're working in. So th- th- that's our focus. If you have an idea or something that we should be engaged in, uh, please shoot us an email and let us know. Uh, we are, we're very avid uh, volunteers. I will personally be there. We'll have teams there and scores of volunteers. And if you want to be one of those volunteers, just email us and let us know. We'll definitely get you in our newsletter and in the system. Harrison, before I let you go, can you tell me the moment that you realize, wow, I'm actually doing the career job that I wanted to do? In other words, I'm blessed to do what I'm doing and it just hit you. It's like, was it a moment where you met somebody interesting? Was it a moment where you accomplished something? Because you are the absolute right person for this particular job, being the president of the Dallas Black Chamber. I must admire you for that. Can you can you think about when the moment hit you? Like, man, I'm enjoying what I do for a living. Wow. That's, <laughs> wow. Or is it still in progress? <laughs> um, well, I'll say it this way: there are so many of those moments. There, you know, there there was a moment once where we were talking to a young leader here. She's now, uh, she's now the CEO and director of of a black tech fund. But she came on to uh, a virtual session we were having, and she was training us. And she gave us so much more than what we were able to afford because she thought that what we were doing was important. And when we tried to hand her the check to pay her, you know, to thank her for her services, 
uh, and give her the honorarium, she wouldn't take it. She wanted to to donate that back. She wow. wanted us to to really give that uh, to our operations or to find a business who really needed it and give it to them. And she saw our mission as so important. And not just her, but the, the nonprofit that reached out and who needed help. Uh, we were able to make one call and get her funded uh, in a way that would change her nonprofit's life. It was so special to us. Or to see 300 businesses get access to $5 million in such a short period of time. Never done anything like that. Yeah. Didn't know it was possible. And the businesses who got it were so very thankful. Uh, and we were working with them now. And, you know, I, I, I try not to cry at some of these things because they, they will make you emotional when you see people uh, who are going through crazy situations who have an opportunity to win. And because of resources that uh, someone was kind enough to give to us or, or a board member or a member gave or donated, we can help more people. It never ceases to amaze me when someone wants to help and they don't want anything in return. They don't want their names in the public. They just wanted to give it because they saw a need. That changes everything for me. That is makes ex- me, yeah, makes me feel like the community guy with the short sleeve shirt and the mustache yeah. briefcase, you know, walking up to the door. So right. Amazing. Man, yeah, amazing. That's amazing. The work you guys do is so, so special. We will be checking in again with you soon. Okay. Hey, uh, Chris, thank you so much for the opportunity to share our story. And joining us right now, from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, South Dallas County Area Director, my buddy, Danny Noah. How you doing, Danny? Chris, I'm doing fantastic, man. Glad to be with you once again. Always good running into you at these different uh, fundraisers and functions. And as soon as I saw you, I said, we've got to get you back on the show and catch everybody up with what's going on with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Now, before we go into what's going on right now, how come, and I've said this to you a million times, how come every time I think about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I always think about Tom Landry? (laughs) Well, you know, Coach Landry was the one who actually had the heart uh, to get FCA uh, rolling in uh, DFW. And when he was with the Cowboys, uh, FCA was kind of his little side uh, gig and passion, mm-hmm. and he used his influence uh, to really establish that. He he didn't ask a lot of people if they wanted to make a donation. He just said, you know, you need to make a, a $15,000 donation. You need to do this. And people <laughs> trusted, trusted Coach Landry enough to say, yes, sir. And uh, he was able to help get things rolling. And even uh, today, we still benefit uh, from from some things he put in place financially that allows us to still do ministry uh, today to coaches and athletes. So he has quite the legacy, right? Yes, sir. And, and we still uh, do some events that still carry his name. And in the past, we, we do a Tom Landry Award of Excellence in Leadership. So we've had several uh, significant athletes and coaches uh, who have received that award. And uh, so, yeah, his name is still uh, ingrained in a lot of what we do. And then with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, nationally uh, as well you mentioned nationally uh, of course coach Landry is not only in the ring of honor but he's also in the pro football hall of fame and this summer i'm minding my own business when i get a text from you because a couple of tom landry's greatest players who are named to the all decade teams of the 70s cliff harris and drew pearson finally went into the pro football hall of fame and you were there Please talk about it and how those two great guys got into the Hall of Fame and some of the things that you were able to uh, enjoy while you were up there that weekend in Canton, Ohio. For sure. And I'll, t- I'll take the second part of your question there. Man, um, I grew up in Dallas uh, watching Drew Pearson and Cliff Harris 
and had had an opportunity to meet them uh, multiple times, as I'm sure you have as well. So mm-hmm. to be uh, in the room, be in the building, be in the stadium uh, when they were officially inducted, uh, being there for the gold jacket ceremony, and just trying to take all that in, but just like a little kid, um, you know, get, used to get those cowboy posters from McDonald's and would always go through and memorize all the numbers. And Cliff Harris, 43, mm-hmm. Drew Pearson, uh, 88. Uh, man, just a childhood uh, dream lived out as an adult to be uh, in that venue as they were honored on the greatest level ever in induction into the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, you know, it was uh, the trip of a lifetime uh, beyond that. I mean, Chris, you've spent time around professional athletes. Sure. And just, just you know, Here's the takeaway. They're just regular folks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just like you and I. They just happen to have an incredible skill. Um, in, in football and on the highest level, but it was it was neat just hanging out at the. We got the opportunity to hang out at the High Hall of Fame Resort. We're just sitting in the you know in the restaurant, and Hall of Famers are just walking in and standing at the buffet line with Mike Singletary and and, and sitting there with Bob Lilly and Rayfield Wright. And the funniest, uh, greatest experience that me and my buddies had was sitting next to a, a guy named Curly Culp. Oh yeah, play with the Chiefs with mm-hmm. the Oilers. Yep, and I did not know it, but Bobby Lilly had walked up and he said, "Do you know that the nose guard position was created for Curly Culp?" And uh, this guy was hilarious, Chris. I mean, we we just talked about of everybody we saw, of everybody we met. We just got to see this guy just be a uh, man, just. Uh, 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 just a person, mm-hmm. uh, just a guy who didn't have a filter, just an older man, just being, you know, being Curly Culp. So we we took so much away from that experience. You know, of all the Hall of Fame ceremonies, of all the, uh, you know, walking through the hall, which was great, being around the Hall of Famers, sitting there, uh, just around a couple of those guys, just just being just being a dude. Um, was 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 incredible, but the experience of a lifetime. Don't hear a lot of people talk about it. Don't see it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can tell you, when we were posting those pictures, uh, man, I, the the man, the excitement was just pouring in. The jealousy of my buddies, <laughs> and uh, yeah. man, just thanks to my. Thanks to my friend Tim Brown for making it happen. So it was it was a huge win. There you uh, go. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait just a minute. You sli- You just slid that in nonchalantly. Tim Brown, former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Mr. Raider himself, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. Yes, and, and Tim Brown, of course, Woodrow Wilson High School and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yes, sir. He's, a, he's just a great guy. He did. And, and Chris, he uh, officially just last week came on our South Dallas County board. And so he's Excellent. just going to lend his name and his efforts and impact and influence to help us just grow what we're doing. Uh, in the South Dallas County, growing staff, wanting to impact more coaches and athletes. And so we appreciate uh, his investment into what we're doing. We're talking with Danny Noah with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I mentioned uh, Drew Pearson and, and, and Cliff Harris because they are the most recent inductees, along with Jimmy Johnson, Dallas Cowboys, and the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. You've done some things with those guys in the past, too. They've they've been willing to give their time and some of their efforts to help the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And can you talk about how important it is when kids look up to some guys who actually are role models in the professional sports world? I think, Chris, it's a game changer, uh, not only for them to watch 
their attitudes, how they carry themselves, their, um, you know, their work ethic. And then for them to be right up close to them and touch them and hear them and these guys be willing to come, uh, you know, and just come into the community, partner with, uh, with organizations like Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, it, it is a game changer for these kids to know that they may not make it on the highest level, but they can be a young man of character, integrity. They can serve their community and be excellent in all that they do. And, you know, that's that's part of the equation I'm glad you brought up because there, there are a lot of guys that come back and they can help coach. And there's a there's something to be said for the things that you instill on young kids when you're coaching them up, whether it's little boys or little girls, you're just coaching them up. But you're talking about some life lessons and doing things the right way, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's what our kids need in our community. And I'll, I'll say especially uh, in the South Dallas area, where, you know, the mindset for these young athletes is, hey, I'm going to get a college scholarship. I'm going to go play, uh, you know, get a full ride. I'm going to play in the in the big leagues. And, Chris, when that doesn't happen, they don't uh, have a backup plan. And so we we try to use the opportunity to, to use these athletes to step in and have a voice of, hey, before I was a football player, I was a great student. I was a student mm-hmm. athlete uh, before uh, I competed in athletics. Uh, man, I was involved in serving my community even before uh, it became something that just athletes did uh, as community service. So they're, they're a great model for these kids. Uh, I, I think it's it's great. Even the athletes I, that we may not know or the average person may not uh, may not be a household name to rub elbows with them and watch them invest. You know, we just had something and used um, – Isaiah Stanback to come out and speak for us. From a Dallas Cowboy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, individual, um, just guys like that that are willing to give their time, partner with FCA, and uh, be a great example of overcoming adversity and making it not just in life, but making it on the highest level of their sport. Is it harder nowadays to get sports figures to work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because – it seems like they're training year-round or they're pulled in so many different directions by so many different uh, nonprofit organizations. Yeah, I think to get a current player is almost uh, impossible. Uh, we've learned uh, our challenge with FCA is so much was tied to Coach Landry. A lot of those players are much older. A lot of the kids don't know who that is. They're looking for uh, you know, the, uh, man, the, the Zeke uh, Zeke Elliott, uh, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. and a lot of those those guys are not always uh, as accessible to do maybe what a lot of the Cowboys did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I really look for is who's available. Yeah, who's, who's retired. Who, yeah, who's whose who, career is at, at a different point at that at this particular time. Yeah, and mostly Chris, whose character uh, is without blemish for the most part. I mean, they're not perfect. Right. But when someone says their name, there's not a story in the news that comes to mind. There's mm-hmm. not uh, a clipping in, in a newspaper uh, or online these days. So I mean, when we find somebody like that, we've learned uh, we can take guys that are not household names, but when a guy goes in and speaks at a school, hey, Joe Montana may not have come to their school, but you know this quarterback that nobody knows – he came to my school, and I heard his story. Now he is my hero. Exactly. And also, you mentioned the guys that uh, 
weren't making the headlines. Sometimes the guys that make the headlines that atone for it, they have an interesting story. Now, not everybody doesn't atone for it. You know, you got to have accountability and and you want to, you know, right your wrongs. But sometimes those guys have compelling stories that they can pass along as well. Oh, of course. And and, uh, we've had uh, many of those guys. uh, There was a a player who actually was on staff with us, a guy by the name of Ryan Young, played a year or two here in Dallas, was a a Parcells guy. Mm -hmm. And he tells the story that three years after NFL players leave the NFL, they either are bankrupt, depressed, or divorced. Mm-hmm. And his story was, I was all three in a closet with a gun to my head about to pull the trigger. And he goes, I heard the voice of my kids in the house. And I realized if I made this decision, it would impact their lives um, for years to come. And so a story like Ryan's is a powerful, powerful story that gives kids hope, that helps them understand, again, that NFL players are just regular people. Yeah. They have difficult situations. They have difficult problems. Um, and even Isaiah Stanback, when he shared, he talked about, hey, man, I'm from the hood. I had all these challenges around me. Uh, man, I had major injuries right before the draft. I had major injuries throughout my NFL career, but I persevered, and now I use uh, that in my life now as a businessman and as a community leader. There are so many guys who have the opportunity, and, and girls too, when, once they're no longer professional, once they're retired, so to speak, to share their stories and impact positively on a lot of lives of these kids. We're talking with Danny Noah. He's the uh, South Dallas uh, County Area Director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. This past summer, you guys had some projects, and can you talk about some of those and how well they were attended and how uh, you guys were able to get a few things accomplished? For sure. Chris, we've done multiple camps uh, throughout the years, uh, whether it be football, football, basketball, mm-hmm. baseball, all sports. But in June, we did uh, an inner-city golf camp. And we simply put that camp on because we recognized the need. Uh, we saw a lot of our Dallas kids playing in district tournaments, but playing in their vans, uh, having three clubs in their bag. And, and just, uh, man, the first time they play golf a lot of times in high school. So we said, hey, let's do a golf camp. And we got a lot of funny looks. But, I mean, we went over and partnered with the Golf Club of Dallas and had uh, 100 student volunteers, uh, coaches come out that day. Chris, I'm going to say it's probably the most successful camp that we've ever done by having not only the students, the athletes, uh, the, the coaches, but, man, community leaders, pastors coming to play golf with three kids from the community. Um, and it was all sponsored. The kids didn't pay a dime. We gave them a, a brand new pair of golf shoes, a golf club, and hope uh, with a few lessons to sharpen up uh, their skill and maybe go back this school year and, and compete a little bit better and, and just give them the confidence to compete as well. Exactly. You never know who's going to be the next Jordan Spieth, who might be the next Tiger Woods until you put the golf club in their hands and, and give them some confidence. Yes, sir. And, of course, Tim came out for that, talked about his history uh, as a golfer. He said, you know, when they saw my hand-eye coordination as a wide receiver, the golf coach said, I can, I can help teach you the game of golf. And Tim is an excellent golfer. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if he's as good as his buddy Spud Webb. <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Tim uh, was telling us how um, he was on that show Big Break, 
And the first time somebody met him, they said, oh, you're the golfer. They, they didn't know he was a football player. They wouldn't realize he was a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Oh, wow. you're the golfer. Right. Uh, I guess that made him feel good in some ways. Yep, exactly. You know, I think a lot of those guys really appreciate the fact that they're somewhat anonymous sometimes. It's like, oh, you really don't know? Okay, good. You're taking me for who I am. Or you thought, you know, that side of me as opposed to the football side of me. And I, what I've noticed as many times as I've sat in the public in a restaurant with Tim, he's always cordial. He's always friendly. He's yep. always willing to take the time to have that conversation. And, man, you know, I'm sure these guys at some point would just like, hey, can I just can I just hang out with my family? Can I just hang out with my friends? Can I just mm-hmm. eat my breakfast, my lunch? But I've never, ever seen him not be personable, be willing to sign an autograph, be willing to take a picture. And so just the quality guy. And I'm sure there's a lot of other guys uh, in the community, other former athletes that do that as well. And so I, I like to highlight that versus talk about, you know, any any other dynamics. Again, they're just people, Chris. Yeah. They're just people you only tell you there's a couple of guys and i've told them that they remind me of tim there's two other guys and they're wide receivers as well usually wide receivers um people assume that they're all like to or uh odell beckham jr or give me the ball and there's two other guys that i'm telling you they carry themselves exactly like tim brown on the field and off the field and that's larry fitzgerald and amari cooper I kid you not, those three guys have those same intangibles, and I've told them all. I said, you guys are like Tim Brown. And it's like an ultimate compliment, and they just grin. <laughs> yeah, everything I've observed about uh, Larry uh, has been impressive. Uh, I think even one of the 30 for 30s that they had about him or an NFL football life, I, I just thought that's a guy that I would want uh, to partner with FCA. That's a guy I would want yes. to come speak to our students and uh, – uh, Tim's had a lot of great things to say about Amari uh, mm-hmm. in uh, some of our conversations. So, yeah, I love Amari. And, you know, no flash, just does his job, does it well. Yes, sir. So, so Danny, there's some projects you guys have coming up this fall and this winter. Can you talk about how maybe uh, some people might be able to help you out, a partner or maybe volunteer with the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes on some of these events? Chris, I would say this year, and it's a unique year with school opening back up, our project is just to reestablish uh, FCA in, in a lot of the high schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing that's come out of COVID is schools that never had an interest in starting FCA are now calling. And so we're trying to balance out, hey, where do we invest our time? And suddenly every school is wanting to establish FCA. I would say that is our biggest project. Um, but, the, but the part of that as well is engaging volunteers to come along those schools, side those schools, and, and help be a support system. Um, you know, the big part of what we do is ca- uh, care, our character coach initiative, which uh, started a few years back. Uh, it's actually how I got plugged in uh, with the athletic departments in Dallas ISD, and we're bringing in leaders from the community that we partner them with a team, and they pour into that coach, they pour into those student athletes, and just there for encouragement. So that's our biggest project. Uh, when we come back, back into uh, later in the spring and in the winter, we will be doing our golf camp again. Uh, we are already getting interest from the community, uh, people that are saying, hey, how do we be a part of it? We didn't know about it. So those are two significant things 
some of the events that we've done in the past due to COVID have not come back in play, mm-hmm. uh, such as the Cotton Bowl breakfast. And uh, we normally do a, um, a coach's appreciation dinner, which is where we presented the, uh, the award named after Coach Landry. Uh, I will believe, or do believe in December, uh, the uh, Landry Award that we present to the high school player of the year, we call it the high school Heisman, uh, will come back into play. Uh, that's usually televised. Uh, and so that's that's something that has been a pretty big deal. It's neat to see some of those players that have won that award actually make it uh, to the NFL. Kyler Murray mm-hmm. uh, won that award and a few others from the Metroplex. So those are some significant events. We're looking to see what comes back in play in the midst of everything opening up. Uh, and we just, we're just excited that, uh, man, we get the opportunity to share with you what's going on and hopefully engage more people in the community to partner with us in some way. I love the way you put that. And, you know, things are opening up. We're still in the pandemic. We're riding through it. When it first happened last year, can you talk about some of the things that you had to change? Like, because you, you're like a Pied Piper. You would visit all of the schools. A lot of schools went virtual. Can you talk about the things that you had to adjust to and some things that you might have learned? And how tough was it for you personally? I've asked a lot of different people on the show how they were able to pivot through 2020. Could you tell your story a little bit? Yeah, I think the word pivot uh, is, is the word we use a number of times. i tell you what changed in our ministry, where normally we're going into the schools and we're introducing our problem, our program, excuse me, our programs to coaches. When we hit the pandemic and there was no activity and, and, and really very little uh, act, I access, campus activity. Yeah, access. Thank you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the coaches were calling us. Hey, we need something. We this is a, I mean, they've lost their identity as a coach in some way. They you've taken the very thing that they've been called to do, and you've taken that uh, away from them. And so we saw it as an opportunity to say these coaches need uh, their tank filled. Uh, we've got the pitcher and we're going to fill their tank. And so we did a lot of Zoom mm-hmm. uh, calls weekly with coaches. They would jump on for 30 and 40 minutes. Uh, we would encourage them. We'd bring in a special guest, uh, some uh, and some professional athletes, some uh, coaches that have great influence, and just poured into these, these men and these ladies. And a lot of them said, I would not have been able to make it without, and we call it the coach-up, the Friday coach-up. Ah, nice. And, uh, and so then when we hit, school back open back up the coaches were on so many zoom calls we just looked at it okay wait a second we can't do a 30 minute zoom call we're going to do a 10 minute zoom call on friday 10 (laughs) minutes chris i got the clock running next to me uh and you got to be good to, to to put what you normally would do in 30 minutes into 10 minutes and you know coaches uh have gone through so much we had one coach that that shared i had one of my young ladies uh, commit suicide. Uh, I'm having to teach in the class and virtual. Uh, I'm having to be in this meeting and that meeting. Oh, and by the way, I've got to be a, a wife and I've got to be a mother. And so she just said, you know, Danny, I could not make it without that 10 minutes on Friday mm-hmm. to shut everything out and for you to pour into us. Thank you so much. So a long way to answer your question. That's how we pivoted. We said we're going to pour in to the coaches. They have the most influence and then put them in a position, empower them 
to pour into their student athletes when that opportunity comes back in. And so we're seeing it. Uh, it it's amazing. And we're going to continue to pour in the coaches. They are the most influential people in our community. Um, we say it in a 20-year coaching career, a coach will impact 15,000 lives. That's an amazing story because sometimes people don't look at it that way. They don't, they don't realize that, you know, people's identity changes when they have to work from home or if they're no longer doing what they did in their normal routine for years and years and suddenly they're just at home and you are allowing them the opportunity to have some camaraderie, to have a purpose. And like you said, you were having so many coaches on, you were able to reduce it to five minutes, but you gave them that opportunity to get that purpose again, to refocus on what they really enjoy doing, let alone being with their family, but it also added to their sense of purpose, something to look forward to. Hey, Chris, you know, there's another dynamic that we never even thought about. Uh, I guess put a, put a lot of thought into it is, you know, it's a challenge to be a parent of an athlete. Yeah. Um, you, Chris, you've been at some of these high school basketball game, games oh, yeah. in Dallas. There's a lot of coaching going oh, on from yeah. the fans. They're screaming and hollering. And where, how come what? my son's not playing? Why is my daughter on the bench? Yeah. This coach doesn't know what they're doing. And uh, uh-huh. so one of the things that we've partnered with is some other groups that, that saying, hey, what does it look like as a parent of an athlete? And one simple principle Mom, Dad, when you get in the car after that game, don't bring up the game at all. You let your son, you let your daughter bring that up. If they want to talk about it, you listen. But the one phrase that you can say that speaks life into them is simple as this. I love watching you compete. I love watching you work hard, even though you didn't get as much playing time as you or I wanted you to get. Mm -hmm. Just keep working hard, man. God is going to honor that. Um, and so that's changed the dynamic of a parent who's berating their kid. Um, actually had a conversation with a little young lady that plays ball with my daughter. And I, I said, man, you really got after it. Man, you, that girl that was serving, I mean, she was just a, a beast and you were still mm-hmm. going for it. She said, my dad yelled at me all the way home. Yeah. And I just felt bad for her. And so an opportunity for us to talk to a parent and just give them you know, some of the ABCs of being a parent. Uh, we tell athletes, uh, players play, uh, coaches coach, and parents parent. You know what? Like I said, there's a void that you fill, and, and sometimes those words of wisdom actually can keep some families together. It, those little things like that. Yep. And you know, Chris, as well as I do, there's a lot of money invested uh, on the, you know, on the beginning levels, AAU, sure. uh, club sports. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of unfilled expectations that a kid may make it on the next level. And um, so, hey, we I believe we use those opportunities to teach them uh, character, teamwork, uh, hard work. And uh, we we let them know your your dreams of, of the NFL, the NBA may not come into play, but you've been instilled with some qualities that not only you're going to get that first interview in that job because everybody gets that one. It's the second interview that you want. And uh, they're going to sense there's something about you as a former athlete that's going to cause them to want to hire you and put them on your team. Exactly. Whenever I speak to kids, I always remind them, you know, especially athletes and, and, and the ones who are, are playing at that level, the high school and junior high level, I always remind them that that's your dream and that's your goal. But you got to have that backup plan. 
and it starts with your education because you may not be able to reach the highest highs, but you have that backup plan ready and you'll still be able to do a lot of the things you want to do in your personal life. You'll have a, a better job. You'll have an opportunity for a career and it may not be in athletics playing but you may have the opportunity to do things that you really want to do as long as you make that plan. You said it better than me, Chris. <laughs> well, Danny, tell how anybody who wants to volunteer or partner with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes can get in touch. Is it a website? Yeah, me, is there an email address? Yeah, we uh, our website is uh, www.southeast, uh, excuse me, www.fcasoutheast.org. Um, my email address uh, is first initial last name D Noah at fca.org. And, and I would say that email is the best way to reach out and we can figure out where uh, a volunteer fits. Uh, it could be as simple as, hey, we're going to come up and we're going to support that coach and bring some donuts and juice for their group. We're going to bring some Gatorade for their team. Or they may be that person that could serve in that role as a character coach for one of those teams. Danny. It's always a pleasure having you on. We will do it again, sir. Thank you. Chris, I appreciate it, and I'm going to blame you for uh, getting uh, this is how we do it stuck in my head. (laughs) The other day, it just got stuck. And I didn't know you could sing a little either. That was pretty impressive. Well, you never know. You never know what I might have on my sleeve. Hey, thanks again for joining us, and thanks for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.